Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life According to Adeshalay Podcast. I am your host, Adetokumbu Adeshalay, and this is podcast number 13. Count it, numero 13. All right. <laughs> Today, we'll be meeting with Laura Lee Heights of Strategize to discuss the Business Startup School, which is a great event which will be happening in Richmond, Indiana, May 20th through the 21st. All right, y'all, let's cue that music. All right, Laura Lee, tell us about the Business Startup School. All right. So um, when we talk about the Business Startup School and who is the right person to be there, I think it's the people at the beginning of their journey, the people that are open Mm. to how do I pivot? How do I make this business happen? How do I get bogged down in the easy tasks, right? So we talked a little bit earlier um, about hard work versus the easy work. And you get bogged down with the easy work. So I'm going to get my logo. I'm going to get my website up and mm-hmm. running. And I think that what they they often do is rush to the easy work because the hard work is just that. It's hard. And that's taking a step back and saying, what is the value that I bring? Why am I really doing this? What am I passionate about? Who am I trying to serve? And how am I unique and different? I think those are the things that we really want to focus on over these two days is doing the hard work, really understanding the ideal customer, really seeing what your business strategy is going to look like. I think those are the things that conversations they're not going to have if they have, maybe they're working with the SBA or something like that. They're working toward a business plan, which is really, really What's tech- SBA? The Small Business Administration. So if they're working with the Small Business Administration, they may talk about a business plan. Well, that's very different than a strategic vision of where you're going. So, mm, how, How's that? Can you talk a little bit more about that? I think that's a great question. So most people, they think that the business plan is really my map to where I'm going. And it's not. The business plan is going to um, have an executive overview. It's going to talk a little bit about your competitors. It's going to talk about... Um, the market, uh, the demographics, where are you located, what the square footage is. It's very, very tactical in nature. And Mm -hmm. then you have the forecasting at the end. So my startup costs are X. I plan to generate X number of dollars. And all of that stuff is really important. I don't want to minimize that a business plan is important. It's different than a strategic vision, right? So strategic vision is this is where I'm going. This is the value that Mm -hmm. I want to bring. This is um, why I want to do this. It really is more about pouring my heart and soul into what I want to put out there in the world and then mapping that out. So I think that a strategic plan allows for pivots. So if there's a change in the industry, uh, a disruptor happens, innovation happens, it allows you to make that pivot. The, The business plan documents where you are today Okay. and really documents your um, demographics and things like that. The strategic vision in roadmap is where am I going? How am I going to get there? And why am I even doing it? I mean, mm, that's why, the biggest why am I even doing it? That does sound like a hard question. That sounds a lot exactly. harder than the logo. I mean, I imagine a lot of people, because if you're not an artist, figuring out how to create a logo, what type of business name, you know, those are for some people new things. So they seem like they're the hard pieces. But what yeah. you're saying, that those are actually easily to find solutions to. Exactly. I can find, whether I know how to make a logo today or not, I can really quickly find a resource for mm. that. 
Fiverr, but, for example. Yeah, Fiverr, Upwork. Any, I mean, really, there's a plethora of options out there. When I dig into my soul and I talk about what is the business that I'm in versus the business that I'm really in. So what mm. does that mean? So let's 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 that's, just that's get a little deep on that. Yeah. So if I'm, in, I'll give you an example. If I'm in, um, if I say, what business are you in? And they respond, I'm in the retail business. I, I question that. Are okay. you really in the retail business, in the retail clothing business? Or are you in the business of making women feel better about themselves? That's oh. much different and much deeper. And why is it different and deeper? So if I'm in the clothing industry or I'm in a retail, I say, I'm in a retail clothing store and I sell women's clothing. It's much harder to pivot um, when you think about Amazon entering that or when people mm. start to shop online, it's much, much harder to make a pivot because I've associated myself with being a retail clothing store. Now, if I'm in the mm. business of making women feel better, when that happens, I can pivot and say, how do I turn what I'm doing into an experience? How do I still drive them to my storefront because I want to make them feel better about themselves and I'll make something up? Maybe I still offer clothing, but maybe I also offer a spa day. Maybe I offer the opportunity for them to come in and um, get their nails done or have wine while they're shopping or get a personal shopper. You can't get a personal shopper if I'm buying online, even with Stitch Fix and some of the others that will say we're a personal shopper. It's much different than having a conversation and you see me and I see mm -hmm. you yeah. and you can look me in the eyes and really see my body type and take me through this progression of mm. this is what I'm wearing today and I don't feel so good about myself. This is what we're going to wear tomorrow and now I feel better. Walk that, me through the journey. Exactly. So that's a much different question if I say what business are you in and then what business are you really in. Hmm. So do, do you see the difference, yes. the correlation there? Yes. So it reminds me of a great meme I've seen before. It, I think the one I saw was about what teachers do. And it's like, you know, my parents think I do this. My students think yes. I do this. I think I do this. But in reality, this is what I this do. This is what I do. Exactly. So you could say, um, and just to go a little deeper on that particular example. So are you a teacher that's teaching out of the book? Or are you somebody that transformed lives? Do you make an impact? Mm. So if you were to ask a teacher and they say, yep, I'm a teacher, I take the book content and I teach. And I have to say, is that really the right fit teacher? Because I see them as an influencer and they're influencing 24 kids, five days a week, right. nine months out of the year. You really have a, a, a great deal of power and not power in a bad way, but in a power in a good way. Mm -hmm. In the same way, an entrepreneur that getting deep and saying, um, what business am I really in and allows you to be able to pivot and anticipate change in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Does that make yes. sense? Yes. Yeah. So this is some of the so we we're going to get to workshop about some of these things or um, the business. Talk, what's all going to happen? I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about this now. We're getting to some of the, the details, details here. I love this because right. these are things that can ultimately affect the success of, of a business. I mean, I really, outside agree. of the logo, et cetera, et cetera. Like this is, this is the meat of it. It's the hard part, right? Yeah. So we're doing the hard work. And when, you, when you're there, it's meant to be interactive. It, you're, as an entrepreneur or a freelancer, either one, whether I'm thinking about starting a business or I just started one in the last 12 months, I'm surrounded by my peers, right? These people are on the same journey that I am. 
They may be a different industry. They may be focused on something else. There may be somebody that wants to open a restaurant and somebody else that wants to be a graphic designer. But we still have to wrestle with the same questions. We still have to solve the same types of problems when we mm -hmm. think about building that business. How am I going to scale? What happens when I get discouraged? So these two days are really a time for them to focus on that and do it in a super fun, interactive way with their peers. And it's a workshop retreat. It's really okay. a take a step away from my everyday, I want to get this business going and I'm focused on the logo and I'm focused on, you know, um, getting the website and is it the right content? And instead, we're going to do some look within and mm. build a business strategy roadmap is really when they walk away, all of the work we do over those two days, they have that roadmap to success and it, they've done it through answering those really, really tough questions. Does wow. that make, make so, sense? So, so when I come in to this, to this event here, this retreat, we can retreat, but I will be around my peers. Mm -hmm. We will be brainstorming. We will be drafting out. We'll, I, we'll be creating this. We'll be doing the hard work. That's right. In a supportive area. And then I I can leave with the hard work done. Meaning I can start I love putting that. in place. I love leaving with the hard work done. In that, I mean, it's going to be hard going forward. But the hardest part is really that, where am I going? What does this look like? How do I pivot if there are changes? What is my vision? Why am I doing this? And how do I convey that to my customer? And then we spend time talking about that ideal customer and the vision. So when people think about the vision, they, they get hung up on fancy words or, you know, that feels very corporate-y. I get that mm, a lot. Corporate-y. Okay. I yeah. like it. It feels very corporate-y. Yeah. It, it, they, <laughs> they know that corporations have visions, but I'm, an, yes. I'm just a freelancer. Why do I need that vision? Why do I need to, you know, put down where I'm going? And to me, that's really where it begins. Mm. is visualizing where it ends. And that seeing that end game is that, that vision creation. So when you think about who am I trying to serve and why am I trying to serve them? What is the value that I bring? That all feeds into that vision. And that's the first step to building mm. that strategic plan is what am I trying to accomplish? What is, who am I serving? How am I serving them? What's that value? And putting that pen to paper in a really creative way, like we were talking about earlier, that um, visual thinking. Mm. That's the activities we're going to be doing. Could could you talk a little bit more about the the visual thinking for for yeah. our listeners here? So but they won't have that earlier part of our, our conversation, y'all. We had a, a pre-recording conversation, so. So visual thinking is really about pen to paper and putting those ideas out. Um, some people call mind mapping is a good example. Something re, um, listeners could look up, but it's really about taking down those barriers and allow creativity to happen. And to do that, why do we see um, people coloring today? So when I was little, we colored. Mm -hmm. When I got older, nobody colored. No one colored. It was sadness. It is sadness. <laughs> Great sadness. What is, what do, what's popular right now? Coloring. Adult coloring. Yeah. Why? It's relaxing. It de-stresses, but it allows you to be creative. You mm. are digging into something that happens within your brain that doesn't happen if I'm not using those colors, if I'm not, um, you know, sitting there coloring up right. this little picture that you don't need, you're not even drawing it, you're just simply coloring. It's that creative mm. creativity that happens. And I think that's part of that strategic thinking, using um, uh, visual aids and being able to see it in mm. pictures versus seeing everything in words. 
I, I, you know, I agree completely with this. Very recently, I started to draw again. Those of you who follow me on my Instagram, um, which is Sacred Fire, the E is a three at the end there. Uh, you notice that I've had some drawings, and what I've been doing actually over several uh, months has been the process of designing workflows. And they're so easier if you're just doodling every day because you're getting accustomed to interfacing with the world that way. And so when I had to create a workflow, like, okay, this is how my podcast workflow is going to go. And then I put that in the Trello, already have drawn out the process. You just spoke right to it. Exactly. That is exactly what we're trying to accomplish. It's so funny that you say that. Like, I'm I'm now drawing out my podcast. I, I just did a mind map two weeks ago about some of my personal goals. And I was telling you earlier about wanting to travel and live yeah. overseas um, for about 18 months. Whoop, and whoop. I have a, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I didn't write out what the challenges were. I drew them out, right? Mm. So I drew out my um, obstacles when I was creating this mind map. And I said where I am to where I want to go. And I put along my wins and my obstacles. And I mm. did it kind of in a roadmap format. So it looked like a, um, yeah. like, a street is yeah. basically what it looked like. And then I had my potholes and I had, you know, my little yellow cones. And it was very visual and it allowed me to get creative in thinking about the obstacles and the things that stand in my way. And then from there, I really started to, to um, think differently and have more energy in my thinking and saying, okay, here's how am I going to tackle those things? How, how am I going to take down those barriers? How am I going to get past those obstacles and things I'm worried about so that I can accomplish this goal? Because I only have three years left before, you know, the backpack goes on and, yeah. um, you know, off to Bali I am. So, wow, I think it, it really, and it, yeah. it helps groups, individuals, it helps large groups um, and it helps people align their vision too. So if I'm working with a large group of people mm. or a group of entrepreneurs, we can start to have some alignment in what they're trying to solve for. And we can mm. do that all visually. Awesome. So do you have, um, this sounds great. So any idea of what the agenda, I know that agendas are typically still being readjusted up until at least a, a week prior. Talk so what were yes. some things that we, we can uh, hope to uh, talk about? So I think one of those things um, is absolutely going to be creating that vision and really challenging the group to um, think beyond today. And so mm. let me give you a really clear example. Airbnb is nothing new. They didn't create something that didn't exist before. Okay. Um, home exchange happened in the 1970s. I actually have friends of mine that their parents used to do home exchange through a big book in the mail. So if really? I was, yes, willing huh. to do a home exchange in the 1970s, you would subscribe to this book. Everybody that was interested in a home exchange, and it was very expensive to call international, so you would write a letter. So if I wanted to go to Spain, I would flip open this book. Mm -hmm. I Yay, would go Spain. to Spain, and I would say, hmm, I think this person would be a cool person to swap houses with. Yeah. I would write them a letter and say, here are the times I'd like to do it. I want to do it over summer. I want to be gone three weeks. I live in San Diego. Would you be willing to swap houses? This was in the 1970s. So when oh, you think about Airbnb yeah. and this idea of staying in somebody's home versus a hotel, it's not a new concept. Mm. So what they did was they had a vision that was different and they brought together a culture and people that are like-minded. They're not looking for me yeah, as a business okay. traveler, right? right? So if I'm the home exchange 
people. I may be floating all over the place, right? I really didn't have a central place and it was mm. hard to do back then. I mean, in the 1970s, I'm doing it through a book. Not a right. new concept, but it was difficult to get it done. So if you think about Airbnb, their vision was to take down those barriers and allow you to enjoy the culture with a local. That's really mm. ultimately what they wanted to accomplish, right? They mm. And so their ideal customer, their ideal audience is not me when I was a business traveler and I traveled three weeks out of the month. I didn't stay at an Airbnb. I went to a hotel. I went to a hotel for the convenience of it. Right. I wanted a sterile environment. Right. I didn't need a local to show me around because I was going to a to a specific yeah, office yeah, yeah. to do a specific consulting job, get back on the plane on Friday morning and come home. Right. Airbnb is looking for an experience and wow. their idea was look and have it with that um, that local right in their home mm -hmm. and understand their culture from somebody that lives there every day. That united that fan club or the tribe as Seth Godin would say, or the pack, you know, whatever yeah. words you wanna use, it really pulled those people together and it introduced them to this culture where it made it easy to do it, right? Made it super easy. I didn't have to go to 15 different websites, but how did they do that? They started with the vision of that connection, that person mm. connection, personal connection. Has it evolved and changed where now there's a lot of investment buyers that have 50 homes that are listed on Airbnb? Yes. How that impacts their vision going forward? I don't know. But their original vision was really around I connection. Didn't know that. Wow. So that was a, a good example yeah. of why vision is so important. They could see beyond it. And it started, I believe, the CEO started with couch surfing, mm. you know, wanting to stay somewhere. And when they really crafted that vision, it's how do we bring this culture together? How do you get this local experience? So we're going to focus on vision okay. um, and help entrepreneurs really paint that picture. Um, the other um, piece to that is a focus on the ideal customer. So Ooh, that, that's a hard one that's for a, a lot of people. That's that's the, one hard, the hard work. Ones. We yes. talked about the hard work, right? So I, if I am a restaurant, I typically will say, or if I work and I have consulted with small business restaurants before, the answer is um, everybody's my customer. Mm, no, not everyone's your customer. The reality everyone can is use your food. Almost everyone. Almost, well, almost. No, not everyone. Though. Not everyone. Right. So let's let's just kind of uh, um, go a little deeper in this. Is that my target audience? I believe that we have to get that customer funnel all the way down to that smallest number. That how many people do I need to do business with that believe what I believe. That, that is in my tribe or in my group, whatever term you want to use, um, how many of those people do I need in order to be successful? That's going to be different mm. for a freelancer that maybe is just doing design work versus a restaurant, but neither one of them can service everyone. So you can right. be um, a pizza shop, and I'm going to just say, um, you know, just regular hand toss, whatever pizza, right? Their customers may not be the fitness guru that's really interested in multiple different salads. They're, they can't service that customer. That customer would come in and be very disappointed because right. they should be pizza experts. They should be um, servicing people that really are into mm. pizza, that enjoy pizza. Maybe it's that family that comes together on a Friday night. So when you think about your ideal customer, it's not just demographics. It's not mm. just my customer should make X number of dollars per year 
or um, my customer should be a male or a female, they shouldn't be this age group. It could also be um, a group of people that believe what I believe. And how many people do I need that believe what I believe in order to be successful? So that's the technical piece. How many people, X amount of people that I need to make this amount of money who believe in Believe what I believe, okay. right? And that number is going to be different. The, the idea that any small business owner or entrepreneur or freelancer can service every single person. The old saying goes, um, you know, you, you can't be everything to everyone, right? Right. It, it's not right. possible. Yeah. So the more specific I can get with who my ideal customer is, the better I understand what problems they face, what they believe, mm. and how my product my service, whatever it is, meets their individual needs because they're, that group of people may be different than somebody else. Mm. Can you think of any business that, or, um, and I one comes to mind here in town, but can you think of any business that is really specific about who they serve? Um, I think, you know, at least in my mind, that the people who create Birkenstocks. Oh, that's a great example. You know, I... I imagine they're for a certain um, social economic class because there is an expense. Um, there are. But that, so there's a particular class there, but also a group of people who perhaps like to be pretty much free and like to have durable, lasting material that they can trust on and that they can get repaired if need to because they have like a lifetime warranty. Right. So typically, and this sounds very stereotypical, typically my more hippier friends, you know, <laughs> I, I was seeing them wearing them, but they're great. They're great. Let's tag on to that. The shoe is a great example. So Tom's. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that a person that wears Tom's shoes has a certain belief system, right? They're believing in that um, I can contribute to a bigger and better society. I buy these pair of shoes. One pair gets donated in a country that they don't have access, readily Mm -hmm. available shoes, right? So you feel good about yourself. They're a certain type. They're not the prettiest shoes. They're really not. I mean, they're just, um, you know. They're shoes. They're shoes, right? But there's, they were not trying to service every type Mm -hmm. of person. Tom's didn't come out and say, we're going to have really cool high heels that are like Jimmy Choo that are $800. No, Tom said, our mission, our vision is to put more people in shoes in countries that cannot afford to buy shoes. How do we do that? How do we accomplish Mm. our vision? Well, we're going to manufacture a certain type of shoe. We're going to get that group of people that believe what we believe, that want to contribute and make Mm. the world a better place. And we're going, they're going to buy those shoes and we're going to donate a pair. Right? Yes. Now, then you have Skechers. So Skechers decides, boy, those people at Tom's, they're sure taking a lot of our shoe sales. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to come out with Bob's. Bob's? Okay, you totally missed the point, Skechers. It's not about the design of the shoe. So Skechers Mm. goes out and produces Bob's who happened to look an awful lot like a pair of Toms and thought that they were going wow. to get the same customer. It doesn't make sense. That's they were not focusing why. on the technical, the design piece. It's sort of like what we were saying before. It's like, what business are you in? in really in, exactly. And, and that determines what customers you're really working with. So is Toms in the business of shoes 
Or is Tom's in the business of making the world a better place? Make the world a better place. That's right. In the middle of Africa, we're going to provide thousands and thousands of people that can't afford a pair of new shoes. They get a brand new pair of shoes. That is a different mission. That's a different goal. That's a different vision mm. than Skechers. And, and the idea that Skechers, whoever decided let's create Bob's to, cur- to compete with Tom's, totally missed Tom's. Wow. And they're not going to capture that group of people. Yeah. They're just not. Tom's are going. Tom's customers are willing to pay more money for an okay designed shoe. I mean, they're kind of cool, sort yeah. of. But at but the that's end of not the, what they're buying. For. They're really not. That's right. They're buying this mission. This I feel good mm. about this purchase. So when we have this conversation at the business startup school, we're going to dive into that vision mm. why am i doing it because that leads to my ideal customer we're going to filter it down and figure out who they are does that make yes. sense yes so we have our, our our the hard work our strategy hard work yes okay now all right who's that what's the customer going to be for that yep um not every restaurant can serve everyone if i have a peanut allergy i may not be able to eat your restaurant that's for example right. you know that's exactly right <laughs> for, for example think of hooters Is Hooters trying to service everyone? No. No. (laughs) When Hooters came out, they were looking for a very specific target audience. And they um, became very successful. Now, has the attitudes in America changed? How does Hooters look and Mm. feel five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? I don't know. Mm. But the attitudes of consumers have changed about how they feel about Hooters. So maybe they'll be successful in the future, maybe Mm. not. But when they very first came out, Hooters wasn't trying to get the families. They weren't (laughs) trying to bring four-year-olds in That was the first thing I thought. I was like, I'll never take my family there. I couldn't. (laughs) I'm never going to take my family there. But you and maybe five of your guy friends, okay, that's totally acceptable. So they're really trying to find that group of people. Mm. And that applies no matter whether you're a freelancer or you're a entrepreneur, whether you have a small business today or you want to have a small business tomorrow, getting very clear on who my ideal audience is, the better I understand them, the um, the better I'm part of them, right? So mm-hmm. you shouldn't be focused on creating. The better I understand them, the better I'm a part of them. Yeah, I'm a part of them, right? I'm wow. a part of that. I'm a part Let's of that quote group. Let's quote that one, y'all. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think of, if I didn't believe, if I'm Tom, if we go back to the Tom's example, and I don't really believe in that mission. Like, I'm not really trying to help people in Africa get shoes. Should I really be doing Tom's and having that mission? No, no. it doesn't align. So the same thing is that that group of people that love Tom's shoes and that purchase Tom's shoes and believe in that mission, that, that CEO can totally relate to them, right? They are like me and I am like mm-hmm. them. We are together in this group and we are different than this group over here. I'll, I'll give you one other really clear example, and um, this is from Seth Godin, and I okay. love I love Seth Godin for one, but I love this example. Same it, here. It's so so you may even heard this. So Seth will say, "There's a different type of people that like Harley Davidson. So you would never get a Suzuki tattoo, right? So right. people that like Suzuki that, that, that sounds unheard of. They yeah. don't get Suzuki tattoos. And his story basically goes that." Harley riders, some of them don't even own motorcycles. They get the tattoo or they buy the clothing. A lot of their income for um, Harley Davidson actually comes from licensing Harley Davidson is because Mm. that's a certain group of people. We believe a certain way. We act and we are different than you people over there that ride Hondas and Suzuki's. We're different. 
we are the Harley Davidson folks. It's the same mm. way that you gave the Birkenstock example, yeah. the Tom's example. These are each individual our our groups, tribes, um, you know, packs, whatever you want to call them, fan clubs. They they have that in common. It doesn't mean that um, I could be uh, a customer in multiple groups or fan clubs. That can happen. But at the end of the day, when I'm in that group, we have similar thinking mm. and belief systems, right? Yeah. So the other um, thing that we will focus on is marketing. So now that we really have that clear vision of what we want to get done. Before you jump oh, into sure. that, please tell me, just for those who are listening in now, just to remind us where we can find out more information about this. We'll cover this at the end, but just so that people know, where can we we, sure. we, we sign so, in now? People might be waiting, like, tell me where I need to sign up at. Tell me. Well, the great thing is about the Business Startup School is that we are only going to have 30 seats available. So that's the first thing. Really important if they're interested and they want to attend, um, get your ticket now because it's we purposely want that really small group so mm. that it's intimate. So you get the individual attention that you so need. So it's like a cohort in, in a way. Yeah. And a cohort, uh, for those who don't know, because um, I, I had a cohort model in, in school and various other settings. Cohort models are really, you get a select group of people in, they share similar ideas and thoughts, and you groom them through a process over time. Exactly. They become their own little community that these two days are not the only two days that you should converse with the people that are there. And that's it's by design that we only have 30 people. We're not trying to do a conference. We're not trying to have a bunch of fancy speakers that want to sell books. We want to dig deep in your business and help you get through those hard questions and go through the hard work. So um, they can go out to uh, startupschoolretreat.com. Um, out at startupschoolretreat.com, they can purchase their tickets there. It's not a very expensive two days. It's really about um, dedicating that time to um, get get into my business and build something great, um, something that's going to change the world. Yeah, and you know what? I my my experience is having some time away from the everyday. And being with a group of people who are passionate about something is one of the best ways to get my my gears going. Usually ideas come to me that typically I don't have. And they may be there, but since I'm not focusing all my attention on one thing, they're not going to come. It's sort of like the idea of do you allow inspiration to happen or the hard work. And if you're going to be working hard on something for two days straight with a large group of people, that hard work is going to draw the inspiration to you. Thank you. I, I, I do not think it's an either or. I think the hard work and really using um, the techniques and methodologies that we're going to uh, display there or, or share with um, the group is going to allow that inspiration and creativity to happen. It's going to allow you to answer those really tough questions and build that roadmap. So when you walk out of there, um, I love how you said it at the beginning that a lot of the hard work has been done and I can feel good about where I'm going. And then the persistence starts, Mm. right? So even, you know, six months out of there, I've got my roadmap. And if it's not going exactly the way Mm. I want, the persistence kicks in that says, yes, I'm on the right road. I'm going to continue. I'm going to keep pushing forward. And you got a network. Exactly. You've got that community of support of people that are going through that same journey that you are. Awesome. Awesome. So, and this is going to be at the Innovation Center, friends. This is going to be at the Innovation Center in Richmond, Indiana. Okay. So you were going to say there's another element that you already had. So we'll focus on marketing. So if you think about it, um, marketing. This is how we get our people, right? That's right. So how do we get, how do I get in front of um, my ideal customer and begin to build my own fan club or my own pack of people. 
So um, we'll talk about the pressures of social media. We'll talk about um, is every platform the right platform for me? Mm. When you think about um, Snapchat is one that, that comes to mind. So is this where my ideal audience is? If my mm. ideal audience um, and the people that believe what I believe are not hanging out in Snapchat, then that's probably not the best platform for me. Mm. However, we do ready, shoot, aim, and um, entrepreneurs want to be on every platform, and they, they're out there pushing their content, and you're not going to get um, the attention that you need and deserve in order to grow your business by being on every single platform and doing um, kind of the broad brush approach. Mm. So with after that conversation of who's my ideal customer, we'll really focus on marketing and how do I get in front of that ideal customer. And it's a lot of... Um, work on what's the right copy what's the right content Mm. who are my partners how do i leverage or use integrated marketing techniques um do i really need that that email database or is the the blog going to work or is it something i do more face to face there there's so many different ways marketing before was all about how many ads can I put on the TV. So before we started recording, we were talking about um, Hostess, right? Mm-hmm. And the lack of innovation at Hostess. Well, Hostess really um, rose and became the company that it became is through advertisements on TV. Well, this isn't 1960. And the way that we uh, marketing is defined today is really awareness on multiple platforms, multiple mm. different mediums, multiple ways. And we don't want entrepreneurs to start the path by feeling A, overwhelmed, or B, that they need to be on every single platform. So mm. the conversation we're going to have about marketing is how do I leverage the best marketing? How do I generate awareness? How do I measure that success? How do I know that I'm reading, reaching my right target audience? So what can you talk about maybe some of the ways that you market? Well, well, I was I was just thinking I wanted to um, go back to the um, the example of hostess just because they don't have that information. (laughs) And and you you well, you told the story, so you tell much better. But the the long and short of it, from my what I heard of it was that hostess had one marketing plan, uh, one approach. Uh, and the, one product and one product the, <laughs> Twinkie, the Twinkie right we, you love yeah. the Twinkie I was I was actually devastated when I knew the Twinkie was going to go I was like oh no but, not what the did Twinkie. that do that rushed you to go buy something that oh, yeah. you hadn't bought in years right I'm sure they were I think they were selling Twinkies for like thousands and thousands of dollars on yes. eBay afterwards yes. um, but so they had one product okay this is, as I understood it and they were selling it Back uh, 30, 40 years ago, as a healthy product, they were selling it to families, to homes. You know, Twinkies as healthy. Think about that. Think That's right. Twinkie as healthy. Like, that is so incongruent with what society says right now. But the problem was they didn't change their marketing. No, they didn't evolve, right? So the Twinkie stayed exactly the way it was. And they believe that we can continue to market the way that we've marketed in the past. And what happened is, is that the market changed, right? So Mm. consumer mindset changed. We want to be more healthy. We want to eat organic. We want to know where our food came from. All of these things are happening over a period of time. Hostess did not react or respond. They continued with the same message they've always had. They Mm. continued with the same product. And the other thing that they... um, did was continue to just say we'll focus on TV advertisement. We're going to focus uh, our ads on Nickelodeon, for example. 
And what we found is what happened? They filed bankruptcy. Everybody yeah. was up in arms. Oh, no, we're going to lose the Twinkie. When this other company came in. Thank you, in, ever company. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever company came in and bought them. Um, what what do we see now? We see um, I'm in the market or in the supermarket the other day, and I see banana Twinkie and I see a chocolate Twinkie. This is variety, in, variety innovation. It's okay. Maybe those people that still like Twinkies are we going to win over all the health nuts? No, no. but the that's people, not your customer. That's anymore. right. So my and I'm not going. I'm not going to try to tell you that it's healthy when we all know how to read labels now. Instead, we're saying if you still enjoy the taste of a Twinkie, maybe you'll enjoy the taste of a banana Twinkie or a chocolate Twinkie. Mm. An innovation to expand their product. Um, maybe I never really liked um, the vanilla inside, so chocolate's a right fit for me. So if I, that core group of people that still want to eat a Twinkie or still want to have that snack, allow them some variety. Mm. This was significant for Hostess because they did not allow innovation. And for and, and I don't know why. I, don't, I wasn't part of those boardroom conversations. But if you look at the spectrum mm. of it is they didn't embrace innovation they did not embrace reaching their audience in a different way and ultimately it led them to to bankruptcy so when you think about it from an entrepreneur's perspective we want to talk about innovation we want to talk about pivots that are happening you know if you think about um uber and and uh airbnb are probably the most popular examples of total market disruption Mm. Well, that's just the beginning. We have more disruptors coming. Uh, fintech is a great example. What was that? Fintech. So that's the financial okay. technology uh, platform that's going to hmm. change the way we bank. So if you think Real? of, oh, oh okay. I'm unfamiliar huge with them. Oh, okay. changes coming in the, um, the financial sector. And I bet that you you probably have been impacted and don't even know it. So I'll give some really specific examples. So... 25 years ago, the only way that you had any, um, or not even 20, let's say 50 years ago, retirement was based on um, uh, uh, the company actually having a pension ready for you, right? Pensions don't exist today. Yeah, unfortunately. So the, exactly. <laughs> they don't happen today. So it's it's the uh, employee that needs to invest in 401k. So the employee, the employee receives 401k. Very standard that if I wanted to go above and beyond that, I would go see a broker. Maybe I would see Edward Jones. Maybe I would go see somebody similar um, that could help me build my retirement roadmap. I don't think that these people don't have a place in the future, um, but as new technology is um, has came, or, or um, we have our phones now, right. there's an app called Stash and Acorns. Yeah. What do they do? They help me invest and they make it really, really easy. Yeah. So if I'm a millennial, and I'm wanting to save money. Am I going to go to to uh, Edward Jones where I immediately feel intimidated that I don't have enough money to invest? No. So with the changes with mm. technology, these disruptors are coming. And that to me, allowing people to um, save and, and go into nice. the market in a really safe environment, Stash is a great example. That is fintech happening mm. right now real time that a banking you know i don't go to my bank to talk about investments i can open up the app it's you know it's uh i think they're exchange um trade funds i think is what they're um, eft's or etfs 
and um, I can invest right on my phone. So nice. that's a, a great another example that it's not the disruptors are happening everywhere. So Amazon was a huge disruptor for retail stores, right. but what's Amazon doing? They're having a retail store in Seattle, and I can then just you know I go and buy something off the shelf, and I'm going to scan it walking out. So disruptors are happening, but yet people that say, huh. "Oh, I can't compete in a brick and mortar." Well, that's funny because Amazon is going brick and mortar. The the the, the company that broke a lot of brick and mortars. That's right. Especially now, probably, bo- I mean, books. Oh, hugely, um, huge, huge impact to books. Now they're actually creating a brick and mortar. Yes, they in have a way it. that will win. Exactly. I mean, they're they're that's, saying we need very few people because when you come in, you're going to scan your phone. We're going to recognize that you're an Amazon customer. You're going to buy something off the shelf. It's going to scan it on your way out the door. It's going to automatically come out of your Amazon account. But they're doing it in the brick and, you know, they came brick and mortar because they still see value wow. in having it. So I, I think in the business startup school, we can have conversations about mm. where is the market today? Where is the market headed? How is that going to impact me? And really talk about what that vision is and how can I be part of the change? How can I be mm. part of the innovation that's happening to service again my customers that my ideal customers that believe what I believe, that value what I value, mm. that have the same um, you know interests that I have. How do I bring them that next product or that next service or mm. you know anticipate the change that's yeah. coming? So we're going so we're going to do some forecasting then and some like technical like in the moment right now things that we need to do exactly so i think when they walk away they will have um that that roadmap so we'll have talked about the vision we will talk about our ideal customer we will talk about reaching our ideal customer and the last thing um that's a topic of and that's just part of these two days but the next good conversation to have is what does it mean to have a positive uh, monopoly peter teal he really focuses on having a monopoly for a small group of people that we're not trying to um, solve for everyone. And he also believes that capitalism is really the opposite of what we perceive it to be. It's really the race to no competition. Um, it's not positive competition, right? So we just continue to um, you know, bring the price down, bring the price down, pre- and lose value, lose value. I don't know if I completely agree with that, but I do agree with the idea that monopolies can be um, a positive thing. So mm. if I want to dominate a certain market and a certain group of people, that I can do that. And um, I can minimize my competition or eliminate my competition the more narrow of a focus that I have on my ideal customer. So again, it goes back to if I'm trying to be everything to everyone and I'm trying to solve for 7 billion people, I'm going to have a ton of competition. If I can really narrow my focus and just get to the people that believe what I believe, that that my product or service is going to um, add value to their life and whatever my product or service Mm -hmm. is, um, I want to establish a monopoly in that and, and really be innovative and creative and offer something different that they can't get from somebody else. Mm. So we'll spend time really saying, is what you're creating a monopoly? Uh, and if not, how do we change or mm. how do you evolve into something that could be a monopoly in a really positive way, not in the mm. evil way when you think of Comcast? Right. right. <laughs> so. So, so it sounds like how to win over your whole sector. Exactly. So we, we started off with you know, where am I going? Where am I really going? Who, who do I, what do I really want to do? What's my real mission? 
What's my real business? Then who, who in association to that am I really serving? How do I make sure I get the information out to them in the present and in the future? Because right. there are changes on their way. And then lastly, unless I missed one, how do I win in that sector? Exactly. Oh. Yeah, you walked right through it. And that's, um, I, it's not every topic that we're going to cover in these two days, but I think you drew a really nice picture. And I hope for the listeners, they were able to visualize how that process will happen. Um, and I think that at the end of the two days, they will feel relieved that they were able to get through those conversations, bounce ideas off of peers, mm-hmm. really test their um, their uh, pitch or um, elevator pitch, mm-hmm. whatever you wanna whatever you wanna call it. And I think when they walk away and they have that strategy and that roadmap, and like you said, their future community, I feel like it's a huge win for them. And that's really at the end of the day why we're doing this at the Business Startup School is to help entrepreneurs Mm. um, put something out in the world that they're proud of that's going to change the world for that sector, you know, those customers. I'm super, super excited about it. I think it's well worth it. I'm glad we're doing it in a small community at the Innovation Center. We're not... You know, out in Indianapolis or Cincinnati, uh, we welcome people from wherever they are. Um, it's a great place to be. It's a, you know, yeah. it's it's a it's easy. But parking simple. is manageable here. That's right, parking. Parking and is very manageable. It parking free. is free. <laughs> That's the best part, right? I was just in Chicago, so free parking is an amazing thing to me. And the lack of traffic. And lack have, of traffic. You don't have to fight the traffic. So a lot of good things. Um, I think the the biggest takeaway for your listeners is this is May twentieth and twenty first, so it's okay. coming just you know five five six weeks away. Around the so, bend here. Okay. Yeah, it's coming quick. Uh, get out there, get their tickets by going to startupschoolretreat.com. Secure their seat. There's only thirty seats available. We talked about it earlier, and um, really get excited about being there. Awesome. Then don't forget, you all will leave with the hard work done. That's right. So that, that is key. So once again, where can they go? To startupschoolretreat.com. Start, okay. And they can follow us on um, Facebook and Twitter. All of that information is out on the website. They can get their tickets out on the website and um, they can learn more. Uh, there's more details, more information out on the website. They will see um, a draft of the agenda. They will. Um, they can find hotels, so mm. places to stay here locally in Richmond if they're coming from um, out of town. They can find some additional blog articles that talk about the difference between a business plan, a business strategy, and a pitch mm. deck. So if they are a startup and they, they're preparing for a pitch deck or going out to see investors, mm. we've kind of laid out the differences. So there's some blog articles and, and things um, that they may find valuable too. Nice. Good information out there. Awesome. Awesome. And if they have any particular questions for you directly or for Stratifies? Um, They can email us. So they're welcome to email info at startupschoolretreat.com. They're welcome to email us and ask us any question. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. All right, y'all, get your tickets. Remember, we are in Richmond, Indiana. We'll be at the Innovation Center it has been a blast having you here, Lorley Heights. Thank, Thank you. you so no, this is a great experience. Thank you for having me. All I right. appreciate it. I look forward to having you more in the future. All right, y'all, don't forget, get those tickets. If you have any questions for me, of course, shoot me an email or shoot me a DM on Instagram or on Twitter. That information is out there for y'all in the show notes. Talk to y'all soon. On our next show, we will have Luke Tierney founder of a language immersion school and 
founder of nomadplayground.com, where you learn how to make money online so that you can travel forever. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud, Life According to Adeshile. Additionally, we're also on YouTube, where we record some additional items and some live interviews as well. Please share with friends and family members. Thanks! See you on the other side of awesome.